Here we go. My name's Todd. Mrs. Kathy. Welcome back to Zen Parenting Radio. This is a big podcast for us, sweetheart. This is a, a monumental, I don't know, I don't know what the word is, but this is our 400th podcast. Um, so we had like this big plan of what we were going to talk about today. And then sweetie just said, let's talk about, uh, where we are, where we've been and where we're going. Yes. Because this is kind of a symbolic number. Is that the deal? Well, yeah. I mean, 400 podcasts is a lot. And, it is. and we are, to be honest, we're not even, we have a lot to do. We mm. have a lot more to do. Todd and I have just begun. Um, and it's not so much when I say a lot more to do that I'm talking about you know, churning out podcasts. I'm talking about just what we want to do in our homes, in the world. In so 400 is a good time to pause and reflect. That's exactly is that the it. deal? That's exactly it. Um, and we recorded last week's podcast, I think a day before we found out that Tom Petty had passed away. And Tom Petty is, talk about a guy or an artist who uh, was a big part of the soundtrack of our lives. And uh, we want to celebrate Tom Petty today. Yeah. So Kathy and I each picked three of our favorite songs by Tom Petty, and I'm going to intermittently play them for us uh, for the transitions when we go from one topic to another. Oh, Are you okay way. with that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and then if you want to say a few words about why you like the song, or maybe you don't, I don't know. But why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding. And who doesn't want to feel outstanding? And always remember our motto, which is the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. So uh, in regards to Tom Petty, this is one of Sweetie's favorites. I'm going to play maybe 15 seconds of it. Here we go. I like that you picked this song because um, it's not one that people usually think about. No, it's the l very last song on Full Moon Fever. Mm, which was him uh, solo without the Heartbreakers. Correct, and it was, it came out, Full Moon Fever came out when we were in college. It was my senior year. So that song is so meaningful to me and all of my best friends from college. Like, all we have to do is play that song and we're like back to that time. Yeah, it's funny or, how a song will just kind of grab you and pull you back. Actually, I'm realizing that I think it was popular when I was a sophomore because mm. by the time I was a senior, it was just a staple. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like right. I think when we liked it. So it's an old one, but um, like you said, it's not not everybody knows Zombie Zoo, but it's one of my favorites. Um, so one quick take that I want to bring up. Uh -huh. I, I play basketball with my buddy Dusty on Wednesday, and this is a quick story. And on Wednesday, the kids had late start. So there's some high school kids that that woke up and brought their basketballs and wanted to play basketball with us. Last week. We're a bunch mm -hmm. of old men mm -hmm. in our 40s and 50s, and some are even our 60s. Mm -hmm. um, and so here's my story, because I haven't shared this with you yet. The kids were not playing. They are just shooting on the side for the whole hour. Mm -hmm. And towards the end, they started disrupting. Mm -hmm. They were... I think they were juniors in high school mm -hmm. and they, they put on, they brought a portable stereo and they're kind of playing their music. I'm like, Oh, it's kind of cool. Like mm -hmm. they're playing their music. It doesn't bother me. They're just shooting around playing, uh, playing their music. And then, you know, sometimes a basketball gets away and it, or, you know, the guys on the side are shooting and it gets in the way of the play of the game of the game. Mm -hmm. And that happened once, no big deal. And it happened like two or three more times. And I realized that these kids were kind of doing this on purpose. Oh. And 
I, I regressed into kind of like old man, who do these kids think they are mode. Mm-hmm. And they had like this snicker on their face, like this smart alecky look on their face. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, my gosh, I kind of want to just really, but I, it's funny because then a few of the guys that I was playing with say, were saying, guys, keep your ball off the court. And they started like laughing. laughing. And after the game, I walked up right up to one of the kids and I, and I wanted to like, to say, Hey, what's your name? Like trying to engage him a little bit. And he walked away and saying, why do you need to know my name? And he walked away from me. Oh, how interesting. So they were totally like, I'm like, okay, these are the biggest smart Alex of all time. So I was kind of bothered, but nothing happened. It's not like there's any fights or anything. Okay. And then walking out, I found out that, um, they asked to play. And one of the guys that I play with, his name, I won't say his name, said, no, this is for us old men, Oh, which I didn't know. If it were up to me, I'd be like, of course you of can course play. Of course you can play. But I think they were mad. So it's funny. I just say that story because I kind of had an opinion that I thought I was justified. And then some more information came out at the tail end saying that they asked us to play. One of our representatives who, play, who goes there all the time said, no, this is for us. And that's why they were acting, being the way they were. So um, I don't know. It was just kind of a roller coaster of kind of perceptions for me in that moment. And I wanted to share it with our audience because uh, I want to call myself out for being judgmental and and labeling these kids. But instead of being like, I'm going to call myself out, I did something wrong. With the information you had, that's what you thought. When you got more information, you realized that wasn't the case. And you were able to acknowledge a shift in perception. Like you can't be annoyed at yourself for something you didn't have. Well, and I will also say I was annoyed at these kids. Even if they weren't allowed to play, that does not give them the right to disrupt our game. Correct. But there's a maturity issue. There is a maturity Mm -hmm, issue. mm -hmm. And they haven't figured that out. And and I really tried to be the bigger man uh, by asking this boy his name and he thought I was getting, trying to get him into trouble. Exactly. Now you're coming up to be like a mature man. I should have said, my name's Todd. How exactly. are you? But instead I said, what's your name? How many people, adults, when they're getting a kid in trouble say first, what's your what's name? Your name? So, yeah. so this kid, see, everybody's acting exactly as they should. Yeah. I'm not saying those kids should have thrown balls on your court, sure. but if they walked in and they had the morning to mm-hmm. themselves to play basketball and, and they psyched, couldn't play and they said, oh, the old guys are here, but let's see if we can play with them. And then you guys said no. Far, yeah. And I'm also mad at the guy who said no. Yeah. Yeah. And I should talk to him saying, listen, don't speak for all of Next us. Next time the kids are here, let's invite them. Yeah. Because yeah. we've done that before. Right. I don't know why all of a sudden we decided to not let right. these kids play. And maybe it's because, because I only go there once a week. Right. Some of those guys You're are there You're not the 40. leader of that. I'm not the right. leader. So maybe he knew something that I didn't. Right. But if, if in a vacuum, I'd be like, oh, yeah, let these kids play. Because some of the guys bring their sons with who are right. in high school. I know. In I, high school. You've so. told me that before. Anyways, that's my deal. That's interesting. So Sweetie's second song is... Sweetie, why this song? Well, 80s, right? Isn't it like quintessential 80s song? Um, The video was kind of a new thing. Do you remember the video kind of- I'm looking at it right now. Broke some ground. Yeah. Why did Um, it break ground? I don't know. I think it was either the person who was the director Mm -hmm. um, or maybe how they, the special effects. Yeah. But I remember it being like, oh my gosh, Tom Petty's video is so crazy. It was was, kind of scary and creepy, right? 
Alice in Wonderland is a little scary, to be yeah, honest. And right. that's the video uses the Alice in Wonderland theme. He's the Mad Hatter and, you know, Alice is big and small and yeah, all yeah. those things. And also, you didn't play it, and I don't know if you can, but can you play the very beginning of the song? Oh, sure. I could do lots of things. Because I love the beginning of this song. Yeah. And I have some more trivia about sure. this song. The guy playing that instrument, which is called the... Um, is it like the Indian guitar Yeah, the thing? Indian. It's sitar. Okay. Um, is Dave from the Arrhythmics. What was his last yeah, name? Yeah, I'm looking right at him. Yeah, he's playing on this. So... In the 80s, I was not much different than I am today that I was watching artists all the time and who was who knew who and who was yeah. interacting. So it was cool to have the guy from the Arrhythmics in the Tom Petty video. Yeah, for sure. And so He liked I, to collaborate that Tom Petty, didn't he? Yeah, so that's why I like that song. All right, very good. Um so I played I talked about my basketball thing. Um should I do my Cam Newton thing? Or is that No, I think we should start with what we're going to talk about. Okay, um one real quick thing yeah. though. I posted something on Facebook about three weeks ago about the Equifax hack that got in and, you know, uh, infiltrated our social security numbers and things like that. It's just a follow-up that if you haven't done anything about it, you need to put your credit on credit freeze, or at least you should at least look into it to see if it fits what you need to do because um, it's a pretty serious thing. And um, if you don't know what I'm talking about, Google Equifax hack. And the way that we as consumers need to protect ourselves is to freeze our credit unless we're in the process of getting a car loan or a house loan. It's simply another public service announcement. That's all. And so when people freeze their credit, you, how do they like unfreeze it if they need it? You can, you, you pay you, So there's three different credit bureaus. There's TransUnion, Experian, and Equifax. You need to freeze each one of them. And the way you unfreeze it is a simple click of your mouse or a phone call with a PIN number that they give you when you freeze it, and it costs like 10 bucks. Okay. It's the best money you'll ever spend. Yes. And there's a lot of other things you could do to protect yourself, but that is the most direct, best way to do it. And I don't know, I'm somebody who is into personal financial management and just make sure you do that. So. And you know, all these security things are really great. I was, um, and I'm going to talk about this a little, but I was in Colorado this last weekend and I got an email from Google and they said someone is signed into your account. And I'm thinking, oh, it's probably me, you know, being here in Denver, blah, blah, blah. And then they sent me another email, said someone from Texas just signed in. Is mm -hmm. this you? And they said, we, you know, we froze it. Yeah. We haven't let them in. And so then I said, no, it's not me. You know, I'm clicking online. I'm not obviously talking to anybody. And they said, we're going to go through your security measures. I went through my security measures again, changed my password. And they're like, great, you're secure again. I mean, that's awesome. Well, and there's a lot of kind of very creative and clever crooks out there right. that will email us right. pretending to be Equifax. So you need to be very diligent in what you click on and things like that. So I know you're- This was real just okay. because I got it on all of my, you know, like nothing like- it was Google because my password is now changed right. in Google. Right. Like if it wasn't Google, that wouldn't have you happened. You did your own discerning. My due diligence. So make sure yeah. you do your discerning. And then the easiest way to do it is instead of clicking in an email, go to the website itself. So That's go to exactly equifax.com right. or go to whatever it is. So That's what I did with Google is I'm, I, you know, I had it on my phone, but you know, the phone's so small that you're like, okay, I can't see everything. So I want to talk about, um, this weekend I went to a conference that I go to every year. It's called Emerging Women. This year is in Denver, Colorado. And I always, uh, first of all, I, it's 
to me, the best conference for women out there. Um, and I also come home always very inspired and my mind is expanded. And I also get a little more connected to why I do what I do, why Todd do, why we do what we do together. Um, and I get a, even more grounded about the importance. And I wanted to, I think probably for the next couple of weeks, I'll be sharing some things that I've learned um, from all of the amazing speakers at Emerging Women. But one of the people who was speaking, her name was Lynn Twist. Um, she is somebody who uh, she's got, she's been on Super Soul Sunday before and, you know, she's been with Oprah and she's written books and she also started a big campaign, um, a, a hunger initiative mm -hmm. long time ago that changed, you know, changed the world yeah. really got so many people involved. And, um, now she writes about how to manage money mm -hmm. in a certain way so you can change the world. She's just an amazing woman. But one of the things she said, um, that I thought was really impactful for Todd and I was about the whole, the concept of the bird of humanity. Okay. And this is, this is the teaching. The world of humanity has two wings. One is women and the other is men. Not until both wings are equally developed can the bird fly. Should one wing remain weak, flight is impossible. Not until the world of women becomes equal to the world of men in the acquisition of virtues and perfections can success and prosperity be attained as they ought to be. Mm. Now, it's a beautiful visual, right? Sure. You've got a bird. One wing is masculine. One wing is feminine. And for those of you that on you know listen to the show enough you know that we are talking both we're talking specific gender Todd is a man me as a woman and we're also talking about inside of us we hold masculine and feminine mm. we are the balance of both or not always Hope, the hopeful balance yeah the hopeful both. balance not always down the middle 50/50 but that we have both yes. um and why she she gave a great visual of this bird of humanity and she said the the wing of masculinity has been flapping a really long time mm. and it needs help. It's been flapping so hard and so fast to keep afloat that it has gotten so fast that it's it it can become violent. Mm. It can become, you know, tired. It can become it and not only that, Todd, what happens when one wing flaps? Uh, the other one atrophies? Well that and you also end up flying in a circle. Oh, got it. We keep we keep circling around the yeah. same issues. And if the other wing begins to fly in equal measure. Mm -hmm. And and there is equality in that way. The we can go anywhere. Then we can soar. Exactly. When they're both flapping, they don't even need to flap as hard. Yeah. Because you soar. There's an efficiency there. So I, I think a lot of times when we talk about women's equality or when we talk about uh, discussing gender, people jump to conclusions right away. They're like, oh yes, you know, women's rights, feminism, that kind of thing. The thing that Todd and I really try and focus on is this is not about just women. This is about how equality helps relationships, helps men with their own, because what's going on with men right now, as far as loneliness, like every article that I've read since the since the tragedy in Las Vegas is about what men are experiencing right now in the world. Right. The, the crazy amount of loneliness and pain and the suicide rate that is so high for men, especially white men. Yeah. 
Um, and I say especially because a lot of people, you know, don't realize that this is white men mm. who are suffering so yes. intensely because, you know, we think they are so privileged, which they are now. And this is what you guys have to hold in your head as we talk about these things. Two things can be true at one time. A paradox is messy. White men are privileged. They are also lonely and have the highest suicide rate. Yep. They live side by side. Why? Is this intense loneliness there? Why is there this violent behavior? Why are all these things happening? There's not one reason, but if we could help, if women had more ability and space and leadership. Opportunities. Opportunity, understanding, ability for men to listen and understand and believe, mm -hmm. and for us to partner, we're going to soar. This is not an overpowering this is us coming together. And what I wanted to kind of say some nice things about Todd real quick. Yeah, let's let's get into that. <laughs> I thought about him as I was at this conference because a lot of what people are asking for in the business sector, because the Emerging Women Conference is not just about gender equality, period, like as, a, as an idea. It, it has women in business, women in tech, women in the spiritual realm, women in yoga, women in, you know, this conference is everything that women are experiencing, women in politics. and But some of the same themes are there. And one of the themes is the kind of opening we need with men, mm -hmm. which is the ability to be supported. Um, and I don't mean financially. I mean in, in our dreams. Yeah. In, to be able to listen and believe and then work within. A lot of the structures we have set up are about fixing women like, oh, if, you know, mentoring women to be better leaders, but really the system isn't set up for women. Right. So instead of looking at how we need to change women, how about we change the system a little bit and so we can both fit in it? Melinda Gates had a great quote that said something to the effect of, right now we're raising our daughters to go into a workplace that was created for our dads. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, you're retrofitting, you're, you're, you're starting with yeah, you're back. You're backing into it We're, versus tearing it down, deconstructing it, and reconstructing it in a more healthy way. And I love that. And, and for some people who like tearing it down, sounds too like volatile mm. or violent. Opening it up, yeah, expanding it, you know. And again, this is really great because what I love about talking with Todd is he uses that language, mm. and I use expand. Right, it's more a feminine yeah. way that I look at things. Saying the same thing with two different two sets different of words. Ways. Right, and do you see how they both work? And that he's not wrong, and I'm not wrong, and I'm not right. Because not as right. a man, we love to tear things down and rebuild things. I'm mm -hmm. thinking of like you know building blocks when we're little kids right. and not say girls don't love yeah, doing that like too. That That's too. fun too. But it's just a, a difference of how I view things and the language I use to communicate a message. Right. And then because I think I'm more prototypically masculine and mm -hmm. you're more prototypically feminine on in your words. On the continuum, you're right. probably more toward uh, masculine. Yes. And then on the continuum, I'm yes. more toward feminine, but there's plenty of women who are in between. Of or, course. You know, it's, it's kind of all over the place. But I think that why this is important is what Todd and I on this 400th show, what I think is most valuable to us right now is how to demonstrate and live the ability to communicate these ideals and and show that this is possible. Mm -hmm. Is that Todd and I, you know, I was with a girlfriend this weekend and we were talking about relationships and I said something about real, you know, briefly like, well, sometimes when Todd argue, Todd and I argue about this and she looked at me and she said, you guys don't argue. You never argue. And of course we do. Not argue about things that are necessarily petty, 
but he has an opinion, I have an opinion, and our work within this home is to figure out how to expand or tear down sure. or start anew. We we live that, and that necessitates my opinion and his opinion, and they're both valuable. The Why that's important is because we got to take that model into the world. And this is what I'm going to say about Todd. What Todd does is he asks me lots of questions and he listens to what I have to say. And sometimes he questions or pushes back and says, well, that might be true, but what about this? Or he kind of uh, brings not a defensiveness, but a his perspective. Like, But then you know what he does is he processes it and then he'll take it to like a men's talk or his tribe and he processes it with them and brings this different opinion. And a lot of times the men come back with, they don't, want to hear it or yeah, they don't agree. with resistance. And then he comes back to me and says, okay, here's what I'm hearing. Mm-hmm. You told me this. This is what I'm hearing back. And then we continue the discussion. Yeah. And I don't say, well, all the men are dumb then. I say, okay, I can understand why they, they feel that way. Right. And a lot of it is being willing to know that you don't know another person's experience. That the reason that men can look at a woman's life or an experience with gender equality and say they don't really have an issue or all they want is this or it's you know this is not something i need to concern myself with is they only wear their own lens of the world well and here's uh, i don't know if this is cuz what i was going to ask you is for a specific example so it's easier for the listener sure. to kind of grab onto it and i don't know if this will serve what i'm trying to do but okay. i remember i had a men's group and we talked about masculine feminine and I'm actually writing uh, something on for my website, my coaching website that I shared with you this uh-huh. morning. And it's in regards to, um, you know, sometimes I feel like I am not doing as much as I could or should to make things more equal, like bring equality into the workplace, into, uh, you know, high school and, mm-hmm. you know, everything. The public domain. And I remember just through um, continuing to have this discussion with my men's group, and then I talked with you about it later that night. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know, because basically what happened was we I provided examples of how a bunch of women were kind of doing their 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 part in changing the world. Now, are there men out there changing the world for the better? Obviously, but I happen to bring up examples of women, and then you. And then I said, why is it that I feel like I'm complacent? Why is it that that you're the one stepping up and stepping out and speaking up, whatever whatever word terminology you want to use? And you said to me, it's because, Todd, you don't have as much to lose as I do. Mm. I am not the one where the government is telling me what I can or cannot do with my body. Mm-hmm. I am not the one who is worried about where I park my car in a parking garage. Mm-hmm. So so you weren't saying it to like demean me. You're mm-hmm. saying it's simply because the reason you don't identify with it is because you don't have to experience these things for real. Do I have daughters? Do I have a wife? Yes, I do. But it's one step removed from where I am. Correct. So just that knowledge alone kind of made me feel like, well, at least now I have a better understanding of because it wasn't just me saying, God, I'm just so complacent. My wife, our wives are so strong and willing to put themselves out there. And how come we're not? And the consensus was that it's because we have less at risk. Mm-hmm. And it's not to make us feel bad about it, but if with that understanding, will empower me to hold hands with our female counterparts Mm -hmm. and start having the wings flap together. Exactly. And there are men who say, 
well, I feel like I've got my masculine and feminine in balance. I'm emotional. I'm also, you know, feel good in, in who I am as a man. Who, and they'll say, so I'm not doing that. So this isn't a problem. Mm-hmm. And what I will say is we're not there yet. Mm-hmm. That for you, it isn't a problem anymore. You feel very balanced in yourself. And I honor that. And I'm so <laughs> thankful for that. And that does not get overlooked by probably the women in your life or me or anybody else, but it doesn't mean it's true for all yet. And we need a voice instead of a no, that's not true. We need a, um, a sense of honoring what we're saying and that even though in your body it's not true anymore you know the discussion we had a while ago because you were saying that some of your friends and men were saying well you know these issues are humanity issues or these issues or don't use the term toxic masculinity they get mad at me for using that because i use that term to explain uh the news cycle and it most of the things that show up on the news cycle are as a result of the toxic masculinity i had a thought about that sure okay because I know that some some of the guys were frustrated about that, but there are two different things. Masculinity is stands alone in itself yes. as a as a positive yes. counterpart. Yes, toxic masculinity is a description of masculinity that's been uh, that's been. Uh, Warped. What's the word? Warped and it isn't masculinity anymore. And that's what they're saying. They said, don't use that word. Just call it toxic behavior. Don't call it toxic masculinity because you're furthering us away from where we need to go. No, if you're talking no, no. about, that's what they're saying. I I'm know. not saying I am saying that. That is what they are saying. But then there's a distancing of that, that, that we're talking about men's behavior. That doesn't make any sense to me. Like, so what we're saying, but then if we say toxic behavior, then again, it's been taken off of the masculine and it sounds like we're talking about all of humanity again. I know. And that's, I'm not saying that that's right. Correct. Oh, I know. I know you're not. What I'm saying is that can masculinity stand alone Mm -hmm. as positive Mm -hmm. and as healthy Mm -hmm. and as good? And then when you put something in front of it, like a word like toxic, then that, that is the masculinity that has been hijacked. Mm -hmm. That is the masculinity that is, has shows up in our world as negative, but it doesn't mean all masculinity is bad. Right. So does that make does that make sense to you? It does. And the way I interpret these this feedback that I get from some of the guys that I speak with is I just feel like they're they're trying to cleanse or launder the language to make them feel better about it. And if that's in certain circles that I have to do, I'll, I guess I'll consider it. But for me, if I'm just going to cut to the chase very quickly and try to explain something, those are the words that comes to me. Well, and we can say there is a healthy masculine culture that yeah. is emerging in this world or has always been here. It's not just an emergence. It's always lived here. You know, there is healthy masculinity that is everywhere. The but is when I am talking about masculinity that isn't healthy, there is sometimes masculinity can become toxic. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean now everything we talk about in terms of masculinity is toxic masculinity. And this reminds me of the the not all men hashtag that people, and this is something, you know, when a lot of times when there's some blog or post or something that they talk about equality or feminism, guys will put in the comments section, hash not all men. Now I don't read comments that often, Mm -hmm. but apparently it's something that happens a lot. Like, you know, a man or a woman will write a post saying, Hey, let's, we're all equal. Let's, let's support the people who have been oppressed oppressed, right? and, and let's whatever rid ourselves of this toxic masculinity or whatever. And men will comment saying not all men. And two, two responses to that. One is yes, that's true. It's not all men. Mm-hmm. But if you look at 
out of a hundred acts of violence that happens, most often it's the perpetrator is a man. Correct. And so how do we talk about that without offending or bringing on such a defensiveness about it that we can't even talk about it Mm -hmm. anymore? Right. Here's the things that are true. There are men and women who make poor choices, who bring toxicity to the world. The grand events that we've experienced in the last however many years, we're seeing more of an issue with this. There's, let's just talk about the most recent tragedy. It was a white man. Yeah. So can we talk about that? Or do we have to say, yeah, it was this time, but everybody in humanity has it. Like, And this is why this is important is this is just not about gender. This is also about race. This is also about culture. This is also about religion. And if we are unwilling to set down our weapons and defenses to own, not personally necessarily, but to to say – because me too. Like here's the thing. I consider as as a woman, obviously, I'm talking about the – when women are oppressed right. or when women are not listened to or believed. But when Todd comes back and says that language is not working, mm. I honor that mm. because if that language is not working, then I'm not going to use it right. because I'm hitting brick walls. Yeah. So I don't go after Todd or men at that, you know, and say, you must listen to me. I'm the only one to be listened to. I say, let's do this together. Here's the quote that I heard a lot this weekend at this conference. Women are over mentored and under sponsored. Okay. Okay. What does that mean? Women are constantly told how to be different and what they should do from what they should wear or not wear, what they should drink or not drink, what they should say or not say, what they should bring to the office or not bring to the office, how to lean in, how to be a leader. They need to change all these things. We're being over-mentored and we're not being sponsored. We're not being, we're not being considered someone that someone wants to back Mm -hmm. or listen to, or let me honor what you said. Does it happen? Yes, yeah. but not enough yeah. is what I'm saying. Like, where is the – and I told Todd I'm. it's too long and we have too many other things to talk about. But all these stories this morning about men who have sponsored women because there's a lot of sponsorship going on, going on on the golf course, mm-hmm. right? When you go golfing with people, sure, that's some sponsorship of each other, don't yeah. you think? Like you just said to me a lot of your clients or a lot of your um, customers, why do they buy from you? Mm-hmm. Because of the relationship that I have with them. Exactly. So what if women aren't on that golf course? What if they're not being asked? Right. What if they're not asked to play basketball in the morning at yeah. the Y? Right. What if they are not asked to the lunch or you know, taken to the clubs at night or, yeah. or asked to go to dinner? Where's their sponsorship? Right. And so the question is, is can and, – and you guys can say, well, learn how to play golf. But that's just like mentoring us again. Right. You're saying go learn something so you can join us right. instead of how can we make an effort on both sides rather than us having to accommodate everything to this – Yeah, we're trying to fit you in into a system that was created by the masculine. By the dads. Yeah. And when I say the dads, I mean the grandfathers. I'm saying the, you know, so this is not, I'm not saying all this and then putting a period on the end of it and saying, and that's it. Mm -hmm. I'm saying, let's open up this conversation. What I realized that Todd and I, because of our, us coming together and and finding each other when we were young and and developing a really great friendship and now being married and having a partnership and having the show is we talk about this all the time. So, and we practice it all the time. And and I really did want to say that Todd is to me, you know, an ideal in a counterpart in this because he 
he doesn't always say I'm right. I don't win all the time, win. But what he does is he say, okay, explain this to me again. Mm. He's willing to listen. Well, and, you know, this is me trying to, you know, I'm always trying to evolve and grow and contribute to this family, society, and everything else. And, um, but here's, here's the thing for the white straight males that are listening that sometimes get defensive when I use the term toxic masculinity. They'll say, well, I'm not the one killing anybody. Correct. I'm not the one raping the women. Correct. So I'm going to go um, work hard at my job and love my family. Right. It's not enough. We have to figure out a way to reach out to the people who are the perpetrators, whether that's through marching in a protest, writing a congressman, having a conversation with somebody who's being sexist at your workplace or at the bar. Because if we leave it up to our female counterparts or our male counterparts who are men of color... Or um, men who are gay. Or sex, you know, different sexual orientation. Transgender. Then they're too busy, and we talked a little bit about this, they're too busy trying to keep themselves safe. And protect our rights. We are, the, we are uh, us white straight men are the safe ones. We have less to lose because of the um, privilege that I was born into that I did not earn. So we need to reach out. You know, we talked about Charlestown. Mm-hmm. Uh, Charlottesville. Charlottesville. Thank you. I always get those. We, I know you and I sometimes say the wrong thing. Um, the, the, the guys who are walking around with the torches and saying these hate, this hateful speech looked like me. Right. They're not going to be as, I think if those men are going to have conversations with anybody, it needs to be by somebody who looks like them. Mm-hmm. And that's what it takes. And how do we do that? How do I, I don't know any of these guys who, who were holding the torches. They did this, it again this weekend. Did they? Mm-hmm. I don't know them. Um, and there's some men who are, um, who, who step out and, and go after the people that do that. Yeah, whether, it's not violent. It's not violent, no. but, but, but to, to, to relate to the audience listening to this right now, there are microaggressions that we witness that we don't do anything about. Mm-hmm. And those are the ones that I'm speaking to is what is it that we can do? And, and sometimes it's, uh, it's not about demonizing anybody. No. You and I just talked about, I want to play this this clip uh, from Cam Newton mm-hmm. because, um, all right, so let me just play this quick clip from Cam Newton okay. because I think it relates to what it is that we're talking about. You're going to hear Stephen Colbert. This is one of his monologues from last week, and he'll explain who Cam Newton is, and then we'll have a quick discussion about how we can uh, re- further the cause. But here's some controversy. Uh, The latest controversy comes from this press conference with Carolina quarterback Cam Newton. Devin Funches has seemed to really embrace the physicality of his routes and and getting those extra yards. Does that give you a little bit of an enjoyment to see him kind of truck sticking people out there? It's funny to hear a female talk about routes. Like, it's funny. Wow. Wow, it's funny to hear a female talk about routes. Could he be more patronizing and insulting that a woman wouldn't know about routes? Okay, I'm going to stop it there because he goes on. But it's funny. He says, can he be more patronizing? And this is the tricky part of explaining what it is that you and I want to teach. And this Mm -hmm. comes from, you know, our work and Brene teaching last week is the minute that we demonize Cam Newton, and this Mm -hmm. Cam is a metaphor for Mm -hmm, it. mm -hmm. The minute we demonize him... 
and label him as a bad person, mm-hmm. then we've lost the battle. Mm-hmm. So how would we do this without... How, how do we how do we evolve through this? The media attention makes it difficult because he shines a light on the fact that here's a woman who has dedicated her life to sports and journalism, and she understands football um, so much so that she's in that room mm-hmm. asking questions of our professional players. She knows everything about football. Yeah. There's and I want I need to say this. There's also men that she's alongside who have also dedicated their life to football, and they're asking questions. And I would venture to guess that none of them maybe they played in high school, but none of them are professional players. They learned just like she did, no differently, right? So I need to say that because a lot of times it'll be like, but men understand football. But half of those journalists did not play. Mm -hmm. They just, they watched it just like she did. Now, what happened there is Cam is demonstrating, unfortunately, very um, outwardly that women, that it's weird that a woman would understand something that he understands in terms of sports. So he's demonstrating his bias, right? But that is an opportunity. In this in this setting that he's in, it would be hard for this to happen because we love we have a shame culture and we love to go after people and make right. them the wrong. But in a smaller version of this, the best thing to do is say, listen, I understand that maybe you haven't experienced a lot of women who know routes or, you know, understand sports. Football terminology. Football terminology, <laughs> but I do. And when you say that, it sounds misogynistic. Right. It sounds disrespectful. And, and you know, whatever it sounds like, I feel disrespected. Yeah. You know, if that woman got a chance to talk to him or if other women felt disrespected by that comment, because that sets us back. Mm-hmm. Those kind of comments are basically saying a woman doesn't belong here. And now you may say, that's not what he said, but please bear with me. If he's saying it's weird for a woman to talk about routes, what is he saying? Right. Now, what I don't believe in is the throwing him under the bus that everybody has done right. for the last week and saying he's this awful person and and he I can't believe he would say that because he's just one of many who, you know, have said something similar and he just happens to be high profile. Mm-hmm. The question is is can when that is something that is said, can we use it as a tool for change yeah. rather than as an opportunity for shame? Yeah. Because shame doesn't change anything. Shame just makes Cam shut up, you know, or and makes him stop talking about things or makes him more worried about what he says. It didn't change his viewpoints. It just made him learn, you know, I'm not going to say this anymore, or maybe he will, maybe he won't. Yeah. But that's an opportunity for him to actually experience and see a woman professional in a different manner. Mm -hmm. But if we make him defensive and shame-filled before we get that opportunity, then it doesn't work. Well, and here's where it's gut check check time. And I don't know if I shared this on last week's podcast or not, but after what one thing Brene Brown, who we we saw her speak uh, at Evanston High School about 10 days ago, one thing she said is, and this is not politics, this is not left versus right no. or Republican versus Democrat. And this is the example she gave. She said, if you are somebody who um, laughs when somebody uh, makes fun of uh, Trump's son or daughter or something like you that. You should actually do it the other way. Start with Barack? Yeah. Okay. So if you are somebody who got offended, yes. let's just say you're a Democrat, and you got offended when somebody from the right would attack one of Barack's children. Or uh, put a picture of him as the Joker. Or as put a, a picture of him as mm-hmm. a Joker. And you got offended. Yet when uh, 
somebody from the left decides to make fun of, puts a picture of the Joker as if it's Donald Trump or make fun of his kids, then you laugh at that. Mm -hmm. That is when you realize that there is a, a double standard in our own heads, which I'm victim of, Kathy's victim of, we're all victims of this. But I thought that was such a really good example because we're so righteous as people, as mm -hmm. human beings, because we think because it's the way we believe the world is to be, that that's the way it should be. And then what's embedded in the middle of that, for those of you that are like, yeah, but, you know, he, you know, my belief system is this person's hurting somebody or this person has viewpoints that are scary or is you can still call bullshit on things mm -hmm. is she actually has a chapter about calling bullshit on things is when something's a lie, it's a lie. Mm -hmm. And you can call them on that and you can say, this is not the truth or I will use facts. But as soon as you turn toward shame and as soon as you go down the spiral of, I am going to make you ashamed or dehumanize, or dehumanizing, then that's when we lose the message. Mm -hmm. That's when we lose the ability to learn. This is so let's take this off politics and off of Cam Newton for a second. And let's talk about your relationship with your spouse. See, this is a thing. This is not just about big events in the world. This is about in your home because you said 10 minutes ago, some men will say, I'm just gonna go home and love my family and and yep. that's enough. Yep. What does that mean? You're loving your family. Obviously, you love them because they're your family, period. End of you know, story. But are you asking your wife about her experience, if you are in a same-sex relationship, are you asking her, um, what is your experience? And, and help me understand it. Are you loving her in a way that you see different her, sex her, Different sex relationship. You said same-sex. Um, did I? Yeah. I meant um, a relationship with a man and a woman. Got it. Um, are you asking her what her her experiences have been are you are you hearing her perspective on things you may not initially agree you may never agree but are you allowing it into the conversation mm. or are you saying you're wrong i'm right or all women are this way this is a big one that i'm going to bring up Todd. Okay. I'm, I'm not quite sure if we're ready for this but i'm ready all right let's do it so one thing that came up with some of the men that todd was working with was or actually this just came up with you todd but you brought it to your group was about how sometimes women um, demasculate men. Emasculate. Emasculate. Thank you. Yes. I don't have the words right. Emasculate men. Mm -hmm. And Todd said, well, you know, some women do that. Mm -hmm. And he kept saying, he kept telling me this, some yeah. women emasculate men. And finally I stopped and I said, explain to me what that means. So he gave me the, you know, he gave me a definition. I said, no, give me an example mm, of, of, how. of how a woman emasculates a man. Mm -hmm. And then you said something like, well, when she gets upset that he's not sensitive or when she says to him, you need to be more open about your feelings. I go, that's emasculating. Mm -hmm. For a woman to come to a man and say, can you understand the way I feel? And can you be vulnerable with me for a minute? And can we talk about that? Is emasculating you? Mm -hmm. And and I think you felt kind of like, is that really what I'm talking about? Well, and for the guys that are listening, because I challenged my men's group with this, because we dedicated a whole night to this discussion, masculine versus feminine. And I asked that question. I said, guys, how? give me some examples, examples. of how women or your wife is emasculating you mm -hmm. and none of us can come up with it. And why that's so important is, is men and women walk around saying, oh, women are emasculating men all the time. And, and that's not even true. Women may be asking men to be more sensitive in a certain situation, but she's not saying don't be a man or you need to be different. Mm -hmm. Now, the only examples that Todd and I could give, 
come up with is if a woman is physically or emotionally abusive to a man, then that's just abuse. Mm -hmm. That's just because that happens. That is straight up abuse. You know, if if she's hitting him or dehumanizing him, that's abusive. But we kind of walk around with this belief that there's women out there. Right. Who are emasculating men, and we don't really have example. And and even though maybe you guys listening, maybe you're like, well, I have an example. But in your own, most of us, can you sit here right now and go, well, I felt emasculated. Versus, could you look at it that a woman was asking me to consider her needs or her sensitivity? Webster calls it to deprive of strength, vigor, or spirit. Yeah, that's that's what, what that's one of three definitions that Webster's dictionary gives. Um, so yeah. And you know, part of me is like, you need to, you know, it's like somebody, what's that Eleanor Roosevelt quote, something about, you need to give people permission to blank. Do you know what to offend you? Not to offend you. It's something it's, you have to basically give, um, you, you have to give somebody permission to take away your power. That's not, that's not it. Right. But I get what you're going toward. So anyways, but you know, it's an important distinction because, you know, I don't think that we play on a level playing field. I think I got lucky because I was born a white straight man and, and I didn't do anything to earn that stuff. And I think that it's something that with that privileged power that I received, I need to transform that into something to make things more equal. No one can make you feel inferior without your consent. There you go. So here's the thing. I was also born privileged. I'm a white woman in this country. I see my privilege. Will you give your stat on pay that you learned uh, at Emerging Women? Yes. As far as a lot of times... um, uh, Alicia Garza, who is one of the founders of Black Lives Matter, was one of the speakers at Emerging Women. And a stat that she gave that was new to me, she said a lot of people say, you know, women make 72 cents, 74 cents on the dollar for every, you know, for every man's dollar. She goes, that's white women. Mm-hmm. It's for African-American women, it's like 63 cents. And for um, Latina women, it's 58 cents. Right. So a lot of times, even as white women, we we say women, 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 and we're not including you know, other races and cultures in our stats. So why I'm saying that is I'm not saying everything is about me and my needs. I'm saying if we can do this, have this conversation with men, then we can better have this conversation with, you know, people of different races and cultures, and we can be open to their experience and their perspective because then we can really soar. Mm -hmm. What we fear is loss what we fear is if I open up, then I'm going to lose something and you're going to gain. And I know I can't t- tell you that and have you believe it just because of my words, but the more you hear your wife or your partner or your friends or your coworkers, the more you will expand, the more they will embrace you know, their work and their um, – what they're doing in the relationship, the more what we try and do is push things down or push it away and just keep things the same because we're afraid of what it could turn turn into. The uncertainty is what makes people uncomfortable. And what I can tell you from a physics perspective or a spiritual perspective or just this whole idea of the bird of humanity, the more we listen to each other and hear each other and learn from each other and open and sponsor each other, you know, male, female, you know, black, white, Latina, white, you know, all right religions, we 
we we soar. Mm-hmm. We actually then have an opportunity to not deal with these things we're dealing with in our society right now, right. the violence and the anger and the hatred. And and this affects even our planet, you know, like the issues, like we, we are, I'm not even going to go off on the t- this tangent of how we're killing our planet, but we have to first like recognize ourselves. Can identify the problem before you can solve it exactly we have to be willing and and know this is the last thing i'm going to say because and then i got to talk about our partner and play a tom petty clip i understand is something that uh sarah perel was there this weekend too um you know author of um, mating in captivity in her new book state of affairs and she talked all about you know sexuality and sex and relationships and so it was a, it was a different topic but similar in that you know it's about hearing each other it's the it's all the same these sure. are universal principles they apply to every aspect of life and she said something that is very true for Todd and I too she said everything i'm telling you is my experience and it is i'm not making any of it up meaning that i've had experiences with couples and here's what i found and she said and at the same time i don't know any of it to be true and that's how I feel, is that Todd and I talk about these things on the show, and I'm sharing my experience of working with women, um, with working with children, with being a social worker, working with people in grief, people who've dealt with violence, people who've been assaulted. Todd and I are talking about our own personal marriage, the people we counsel, our women's circle. But we don't know that it's true for everybody. We only know what we know. Mm-hmm. and But what we know needs to be vocalized so other people can then speak up about their experience. We are not the end-all, be-all. We are not the experts. What we are is we're willing to talk about it. We're one of many voices that wants to bring it up and have a conversation. Exactly. So if you are getting into the end of this podcast, you're like, I don't agree with this. I don't agree with this. That's okay. That's okay. You don't have to... You don't have to feel like you have to align with every single thing because maybe it wasn't your experience. And then that's how we find new words. That's how we find new ways to to reach out and 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 hold each other's hands and do this together. So um so happy four hundred, Todd. <laughs> um speaking of four hundred, I can't be more proud to say that Canvas People is our partner on this podcast. And who is Canvas People? Is canvaspeople.com. That's their URL. And they are an easy to use photo canvas service that takes your photos from your phone and turns them into beautiful artwork for you to enjoy every day. Instead of snapping that beautiful photo and letting it rot on your cell phone, don't do that. You can bring that photo to life by putting it on your on the walls of your home or your office, or you can give it as a great gift. Um, so here's the deal for Zen Parenting listeners. Go to canvaspeople.com, buy an 11 by 14 canvas after you upload your picture, and instead of it being $69.99, it's actually free. All you got to do is put in the coupon code ZEN, Z-E-N. So go ahead and go to canvaspeople.com, coupon code ZEN, 11 by 14 canvas. And that's the deal. Um, you ready for my your third and last Tom Petty song, Let's sweetie? It. Let's hear it. Let me turn down the music just a little bit and let it... That's my number one favorite. I, that's why I saved it for last. Thank sweetie. you. You're welcome. Love that song. Yes. And oh, Miss I, Tom Petty. I think that is um, all, one of the songs that 
a lot do a lot of people say that as their favorite song or no? I don't know. I I don't I've never heard someone tell me it is, but that doesn't mean it's not. I no. mean it was pretty popular. Here's one of mine. Okay. You belong among the wildflowers. You belong in a boat out at sea. Sail away. Kill off the hours. Which one of our kids does that remind you of? Um, uh, I want to say Cameron. Yes, me too. Really? I think when we liked that song, Cameron was really little, and I remember thinking this song reminds me of her. Mm. It was something about the words and who she is. Yeah. Um, but yes, that's one of my favorites too, Toddy. Yes. Uh, yeah. Actually, I um, that that was in your top three, and then mm-hmm. you picked a different one. Yeah. Um, okay, so do we want to talk about the um, New York Times article that I brought up, or did you want to go somewhere else? What's the New York Times article? Oh, I'm sorry, the Wall Street Journal, the the, the classroom Well, thing. how much time do we have? Well, we're 52 in. We get- yeah, I don't know if... Um- I don't know. I don't know if I have like the the energy after all that. To this one? <laughs> yeah. All right. Like to defend or to. Um, well, we could save for next week. Yeah, because it is important. Like Todd had something else. I that, was ready to get triggered. Well, that's the thing is I, I kind of feel like. I ready to go. I kind of feel like these things that you and I are discussing are hard and they are, they can be controversial and they can really offend people or annoy them or make people stand up and cheer. Like I'm not thinking everybody's annoyed. I think some people agree. Um, But I'm, it's tiring because I'm always trying to be very conscious of the words I'm using. Yeah. I'm not as conscious with the words that I choose. I just, everything, you know, maybe we can, you can give some thoughts and I'm totally uh, pulling this out of nowhere, but like, what do you see for us in the next 400 episodes? Like, what do you Um, want? So that's a good question. I don't know. It's weird because when we first started this podcast X amount of years ago, I don't even know how many, six or seven years ago, mm-hmm. um, we didn't really know what we were getting ourselves into. We knew that we liked to talk about deep subjects. We knew that we were early in our parenting career and we had some things that we wanted to share because they were interesting to us. And I think the show has evolved from a little bit more of a parenting thing to more of a social conscious thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And personal consciousness. Personal yeah. consciousness. Mm-hmm. And it is, uh, I don't ever remember deciding that. We just, it's evolved into that. And it always was. Like before we started this, I had written my first book and it was called The Self-Aware Parent. And the whole idea of The Self-Aware Parent is to be a good parent, you have to be clear about yourself. Mm-hmm. To be a good parent, you have to know who you are, why you say what you say, why you do what you do, and how you take care of yourself. So naturally... I think, you know, maybe we didn't say to ourselves, hey, in 2017, we're going to be talking about what we're talking about today. But there is no better way to parent than to be an authentic person. Well, and here's a a reframe. How are you different now than you were at at podcast one? Actually, let me, instead of asking the question, I'll tell you what I perceive. Okay. About me or you? About you. Okay. You are more courageous. Mm. You put yourself out there more, mm-hmm. probably because of some of the things that have gone on in this, in this world in the last seven years. And we have realized that to make change, you need to step outside of your comfort zone and talk about and have difficult conversations. Mm-hmm. And I think in the beginning, you slash we were a little bit more guarded 
and didn't want to disrupt. And right. and there is uh, there is something powerful about disruption. Now, yeah. what we talked about earlier in this podcast is it's fine to disrupt the narrative of Cam Newton, mm-hmm. but how are you going to do it? Are you going to dehumanize him? Are you going to uh, shame him? Shame him? Or are you going to ask him or people like him to help you understand how he got that way and to have a conversation because nothing happens from people hating on each other. Mm -mm. And it's really hard to not hate people when you feel like that hate creates suffering. Mm -hmm. But it's not going to get us anywhere if we just slip below the line, hate people for the sake of hating them and making them feel and and just dehumanizing them. The thing is, is we get offended about things. All of us have things we get offended by, no matter who you are. And it feels so horrible and it feels so awful. And we take that pain of being offended and then we throw it on somebody else. We're unaware that we need to process our pain and have some kind of post-traumatic growth from it. You know, there's PTSD, which is where, you know, which is obviously a diagnosable issue where you are, you know, kind of stuck in that, um, that feeling or that trauma still lives in your body. And I've had that experience. It's a real thing. And then a lot of times when we can process that or become more clear about experiences or get help with our experiences, we can actually experience post-traumatic growth. We can actually say, oh, now I see this differently. Now I experience this differently. Now I've learned. Now my heart is opened. Instead of taking the pain we experience or feel because someone else is harmful to us and then putting that pain on other people. And I think this show started with don't put your pain on your kids. Mm-hmm. And it's evolved to don't put your pain on your spouse, don't put your pain on the world, don't put your pain on your next door neighbor, your parents. Take responsibility and learn. And when we say that, that doesn't mean that then you have to spend time with people you don't like or who are mean to you. Some people you just don't we were right before we started the show, we were talking about someone that we're just not going to spend a lot of time with this person online or otherwise, but we're also not going to throw this person under the bus. We're not going to say, be righteous and justified and say, you know, horrible things about them to make them feel bad. And Mm. do you see how this just Glennon Melton or Glennon uh, Doyle does a good job describing this. And many of you have heard us use this before, but it's that game of hot potato where we feel pain and it's hot potato and it, and it's burning our hands. So we throw it at someone else for them to carry it. Instead, we can own that potato and allow it to cool down and say, what is this? What happened? How can I deal with this? And how can I expand? And how can I be loving? And how can I not throw pain around? How can I actually create something more of what I want in the world, which is kindness, love, compassion, mindfulness, presence, paying attention? Like, but you what I get frustrated about is people who want that and they point at other people and they shame other people, but they don't do it themselves. Walk the walk. And the way I would phrase it, basically the exact same lesson using different terminology, sweetie, is, and we've, I've shared this on the show, but it's powerful. So I think it's worth repeating is um, life happens either to you or for you. So part of the human condition is pain. We, you can't avoid pain. No, you can't. And what you're saying is sometimes we take this pain and we pass it to the next person. Um, Or you can accept the pain, figure out what it's here to teach you, learn from it, grow from it, evolve through it, and not 
pass it. You know, we talk about passing the baggage on our kid. Our parents, when we were little kids, did the best they can, the best they could with what they had. And part of the reasons that we're doing this podcast is so that we can start carrying our own bags instead of passing the baggage from that our parents gave to us onto our kids. We got to take it and grow through it and question it and be curious about it and ask, why is it here? What am I here to learn about this new experience that I wish weren't happening to me. And then living in the paradox that there is no final answer. Another thing that Esther Perel said this weekend that I thought was really uh, important was that the, and we say this all the time on the show too, but she made a, a really vital point about it with everything in life is a paradox, which means that one thing is true at the same time as another thing that feels contradictory or sounds contradictory. And so some people get very black and white about things. It's either good or bad. It's either right or wrong. And there always lives that paradox of one thing can be true on the other side of the other. And a lot of people try and solve that paradox. And you guys have to understand a paradox is unsolvable. You have to live in the messy of it. And that means that we have to be willing to navigate through it together rather than decide who won. Mm -hmm. We have to be willing to say that, you know, that what you what you said was wrong. Give me a paradox that I'm not. Oh, I'll give the really basic paradox because it's the easiest one. Um, I don't have enough time for myself, and I also need to spend more time taking care of myself. Both are true. They live right by each other, and there is no solution. You just have to live in the messy and wade through it and figure out how how it can be done rather than whether or not it's true or not. Because paradox is what makes us human and alive is that things aren't simple. Things are very complex, but understanding that makes them simple. And even that sounds like a riddle that I'm trying to say. But for those of you that that want a final answer, you know, I get emails a lot from people who listen to the show or, you know, women that, you know, have questions and they say things like, what should I do? What's the answer to this? Yeah, I know this, but what do I do here? I have no answers for you. Only thing you have, if you're lucky, sweetie, is questions back to that exactly. person. Because there is no final answer. There is no, and and as, dis, as uncomfortable as that is for us, the acceptance of it sets us free. Mm-hmm. The acceptance of the paradox keeps us from thinking, it keeps us out of righteousness, Todd. Yeah. When we accept that many things can be true at once... It keeps us out of righteousness, and then we're not playing that game. And I want to say one more thing that I experienced this weekend is we were doing this visualization where we were like, we all had our eyes closed, and we kind of had to rise with our bodies and take on the stance and the position of the woman that you are. Mm. And we all had our eyes closed, and so nobody was judging each yeah. other. And and the stance that I took that I felt in my body, and maybe you know, if someone looked at me, they couldn't feel it, was... You know when Dances with Wolves, you know Stands with Fist? Yes. Okay. So Stands with Fist, meaning that she takes a stand for something, Mm -hmm. right? I, I had her in my mind. She takes a stand. I am willing to take a stand, but I removed my hand from where she... Do you remember how she'd put her hand in the middle of her chest? I remember when she is in the movie... For those of you guys who have seen it enough, uh, she has to kind of um, mimic it because he's she's telling Kevin Costner what her name is, right? And he doesn't know her. So language. he's like she's like doing charades because they don't speak the same language. She speaks Native American or whatever dialect of Native American it is. What were what was their um... uh, Cherokee? No, I don't know. I'm sorry, I don't we'll have remember. to look it up. And but yeah, she just kind of 
explains to him with her body language mm-hmm. what her name is, and her name is Stands with a Fist. And Stands I remember it's fist. very. She's holding her hand really close to her heart, like, and and why I I've always loved her character, very strong woman, um, a very outspoken woman, and I loved her. Yeah. The butt, though, the thing I changed in my stance is my my knee went forward and I took my hand off my chest and put my arms open mm. because I stand for things and I'm ready and have been ready a long time to say what I stand for. Right. I'm tired of bullshit and I'm tired of lies. I stand for something, but I also keep my arms open. I am open to what other people have to say. I am open to all different people and their experiences because I haven't had their experiences. I don't know everything and neither do you, anybody who's listening. You don't. And so the more we can expand and keep our arms, stand with our with our beliefs, I stand. I stand up. I speak for people, but the arms stay open. And it was a great visual for me. I got really teary when I was doing it. Nice. Because it was it felt like a tree. It yeah. felt very grounded. Mm, that's but, what I was envisioning when you were explaining it. Yes. Is a tree. And I and I don't think I was the only one who had a similar feeling to that. Like, you know, nobody crawled into a ball. Yeah. You know, when you get the opportunity to say, what kind of woman mm-hmm. do I want to be? I want to stand for something, but also not be stuck in things. I want to be open, like a tree is. It's a really good exercise. Like, I'm just thinking in my mind about, you know, my men's retreat that I'm going to do in January, February. It would be great to you know, have that, you know, I've never thought about what my stance would be. Mm -hmm. And I think it would be a wonderful exercise of Mm -hmm. what would it look like? Like I think of mountain pose and yoga. I love mountain pose. And if you didn't know any better, you just look like, oh, you're just standing up straight. Mm -hmm. But there's something special about mountain pose that I've always loved. I've actually um, had our, our tribe men's group do that one during one of our closings because it's such an important pose for me. Uh, but anyways, it, that's kind of a cool thing. And it makes you, and why it's teary, uh, you know, I always say to the women in my circle and any clients that I have that when they start to cry, it's truth. Mm-hmm. The reason I was getting teary is because that's who, that's who I feel I am at my center. I don't always demonstrate it. Sure. I can get small. I can be unkind. I can be righteous. It's not that I'm always that person, but I think we're all this, this person at our center. I think everybody came in with this ability to stand for who they are and also love other people. I don't think it's it's just me. Mm-hmm. And but we have to practice that. Well, and just to kind of like I don't know, give an example of playing small or playing big. You were uh at a conference this weekend empowering uh emerging women and uh there are some uber successful and I use that term in quotes of women that are changing the world. Oh, they're so wonderful. And there's an egoic part of you that you shared with me saying, oh my God, I'm not doing enough. I'm not big enough. I'm not, these women are well, like your language, whatever it is. Well, when you say I'm not big enough, I don't want the fame. What I'm saying, because that can be misconstrued, the ego part. I don't want to be necessarily them, but they are doing so much to change the world that I say to myself, if they can do that, what can you and I do? What else can we do? What else? And so sometimes I come home Feeling I, small. Feeling like I'm not doing enough. Right. Yeah. And so, yes, I, I understand what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And then there's times when we're righteous, or at least when I, there's times when I'm righteous, like it's all over the board. Right. We're small, then all of a sudden we're big, and then we're somewhere in between. It's just crazy. I know. Um, 
So we have two events that I'd like to talk about real quick. We're talking to the library tomorrow night. Yes. That's October 11th. And what we're talking about right now, you guys, I didn't even realize it, but that's what we're talking about tomorrow night. Maybe not as with such intensity, but marital compassion yeah. is on this on the scale, uh, instead of the grand scale of the whole world and being the big bird of humanity, how can we be a bird in our own home? Yeah. How is the bird of humanity in our own home where we're hearing each other? Um, that's It's going to be fun talk. It is. Um, and that's uh, you can uh, find out more about that talk by going to our website, zenparentingradio.com. In the upper right-hand se- uh, right corner, it says Get Zen, and then there's a drop-down that says Go to Events. And yeah, then, just go to Live Events on the page. The other one is we have a little conference coming up called uh, Zen Parenting Conference. Is that what it's called? Um, March... Second and third. Second and third. So early bird tickets are on sale right now for a discount and early bird isn't going to be around forever. So don't be a schlep rock. Buy your tickets. That's right. And be a Zen friend so we can make sure as many people can go as possible. Yeah, we don't have any Zen friends to talk about Mm. um, this week. We also don't have any iTunes reviews. For the 400th episode? (laughs) For the 400th. So, anywho, and then anything else you want to promote, sweetheart? No, I would just say thank you for listening to our show for 400 episodes. You may may not have listened to them all, but thanks for being with us now. Um, We've been doing this seven years. And as Todd said, I think that we have been able, personally, as people, to go deeper and uh, and become more clear about how we want to um, how we want to treat each other and our children and the world. And it's constantly evolving. Um, I'm going to play a quick Tom Petty song, and then I'm going to do a real brief tournament of bad. Oh my gosh, it's like the show that never ends. No, people are like, God, I hope it's another hour, <laughs> um, or not, or not. So. I don't think many people love this Tom Petty song, but I do. Is this one of your favorites? Yeah. You got me in a corner. You got me against the wall. I got no where to go. I got no where to fall. Why don't you like that song? Doesn't he say, take back Joe Piscopo? Yeah, he does. And Eddie Murphy. He's got a, yeah, he calls a lot of people out. All right, so here's my tournament bad. Just because it's been so long, I just want to make sure the listeners know that it still exists. Tournament of bad. Tournament of bad. By the way, those voices that you hear, two of them are our children. One of them is our friend Noreen's son, Owen. And it's, they, they were very small when they recorded that. Yeah, that's a good six years old. Yeah. Um, my tournament bad is when our daughters have this, this knack for when you and I are trying to have a conversation and I don't think they're doing it on purpose, but what do they do, sweetie? Do you know? They interrupt. They stand in (laughs) In front of us. us. (laughs) They get right, like we're in, there's like 42 places in the room that they could stand. Right. And they literally stand between our eye contact. Right. And it kind of drives me nuts, but it drives you up a wall. Well, it it make, it cracks me up because like we'll be, I'll be sitting in a chair, Todd's sitting on the couch, and I'll turn to him to say something. And then one of our kids will walk right in between us and I'll say, honey, I'm actually having a conversation with your dad right there. Oh, okay. But I feel like it must be an energy thing. Like I feel like there must be something going on because they're not trying to be offensive. No. Like I'm not angry at them. Right. It's just so, it happens so often. Yeah. 
do you think it's an energy thing? Do you think they like feel that? We should ask. We're taking one of them out to lunch, so we'll ask. Okay. Let's talk to Cameron about the energy. And then one other quick tournament of bad. Tournament of bad. Tournament of bad. Tournament of bad. This is on me. Sometimes like something randomly is in the hallway of our home that shouldn't be there. <laughs> and like the first day it's there, I'm like, oh, what's that book doing on the floor in the hallway between bedrooms? But the longer it sits there, the less likely it is that I'm going to pick it up. Like Skylar's Market? Yeah. Skylar made this market out of this table. and My table that I used to read. And uh, the longer it's there, the more I'm like, yeah, I'm not getting that. Like I'm more likely to get it the first day. Mm-hmm. What's up with that? Like it should be the other way. Like the more annoyed I am, the more likely I should to grab it. But it's just weird. We become used to it. Probably we start to look past it. I mean, I don't know. I'm sure there's something that has to do I'm with our perception. I think I see it every time. Like there's that book again. Nah. You know what's hard is to come home after being gone for three days because Todd, first of all, he had to work so hard this weekend because he had one of his busiest weeks uh, at JVI and our daughters all had events and, you know, JC had lacrosse and and I'm gone. So this is in no way a a diss diss to you, Todd, but there are certain things that, you know, like when I come home and you know, there's clothes sitting on the ground or the car has food in it or the whatever. And I have to be really thoughtful about not being a crab about it because I haven't been here. So it it's like it because it doesn't bother you guys. Yeah. It it's not like you guys need to do things the way I do them when I'm not here. That doesn't make any sense. But what I had to do this morning before we taped the show is I had to clean the kitchen and get that sense of connection to my home back. Yeah. But I will say on the air in front of everybody else, thank you for this weekend because You're welcome, you did sweetie. a lot of things above and beyond. Um Hey man, it's what I do. I know, but it was I was gone a hundred percent and you were supposed to be gone a hundred percent because he he had a conference in Rosemont yeah. and had to keep coming back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And thank you to our neighbors who helped us. Yeah. Nick and Angela, if you're listening. Um, thank you to your sister, Shane, yeah. who helped us while I was gone. Thank you. Who who else helped? The did the Hendricks uh help us? No. The Flanagans? Yeah, sorta. Yeah. Our friends step up for us in these kind of situations and I'm just so grateful to have a community of people that we love. So to close out the show, I'm gonna play my favorite Tom Petty song. I'm so I know what it is. What do you think it is? I I, wait, let me think for a second. I think it's your jamming is it you're so bad? No. No, no, no. Okay, can I have one more guess? Sure. It's American Girl. No. Oh. Okay, what is it? Um, You'll hear it in a second, but as we close out, will you tell them what Team Zen is? This will close out the show. Okay. Oh, I love this song. This is the best. Let me get to the point. Let's roll another joint. What's Team Zen, sweetie? Team Zen. You want to have more interaction with us, ask us questions, have more podcasts, subscribe to Team Zen. We have a podcast... um, we do a live podcast through Zoom every other week. It's like, it's twice a month now, right? Uh, yeah, twice a month. And we also have a Facebook page where you can ask questions. We give you free stuff. For anybody on Team Zen who's listening, if I haven't answered your question yet, it's because I got home last night. So don't worry, I'm going to get on it. Um, and we are just a group, we're a community that we're connecting and talking about these things. And a lot of people in Team Zen are finding each other. Yeah. Like they're either living close to each other or they're becoming friends through this virtual community. And you also get discounts. 
like on the conference and other things that we may do. Um, and we'll give you a little VIP treatment at the conference if you come. So go to uh, our website, click on the upper right-hand corner, get Zen, and go to Team Zen, and you'll learn more about it. See you guys next week. Sorry it was so long. Or happy, not. Happy 400, Toddy. Happy 400, sweetie. Love you. Somewhere I gotta go and you don't know how it feels. You don't know how it feels to be me. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening. We appreciate you, and we hope you'll join us next time. If you're a fan of Zen Parenting Radio, consider leaving us a review on iTunes. This helps people find us. You can also tell a friend about our show. Are you a force for good? Yes. <laughs> if so, then get your tickets for the Zen Parenting Conference, March 2nd and 3rd, 2018, with Cheryl Strayed, Orly Waba, and Mike Damish. When purchasing your tickets, consider becoming a Zen friend for our conference scholarship program. Let's make sure anyone who wants to attend can be there. Come see us. We look forward to having everyone in Chicago. Check out all of our live events at zenparentingradio.com. You can also find our virtual community of listeners that we call Team Zen. You can find books and podcasts that we recommend and so many other opportunities and resources. Go to zenparentingradio.com. If you want to know more about self-awareness or conscious parenting, pick up one of Kathy's awesome award-winning books at zenparentingradio.com or on Amazon. Thank you. You're welcome. And just so you know, I coach guys. It's called coaching for guys on the phone skype or in person contact me to uncover the subtle shifts that will change your life if you're looking for a group of men to have authentic conversations with check out the tribemensgroup.com we would love to have you be a part of the tribe if you ever shop via amazon you can help us out by first going through the amazon link found on our homepage, zenparentingradio.com under support us it doesn't cost anything to you but we get a small commission from amazon I want to give a special thanks to our partners, Tree of Life Chiropractic Care and Avid Painting and Remodeling. They've been with us since the start, and we love them. And to all of you, thanks, thanks for, your, for love your love and, and support. support. Keep trucking. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>